Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by business editor and columnist Greg Jefferson, investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. And we're hoping to be joined soon by uh, City Hall reporter Josh Vector. I think he's joining up with us. Um, this is um, our snow apocalypse, snowmageddon, <laughs> snowman's land episode. Of the I think to to give Josh credit, I think his he described it as um, the rolling blackout edition of Pluto Politics. This is the beginning of our yes. rolling blackout <laughs> review tour. And so <laughs> we're having additions now. <laughs> all right, Josh, you're there. That's great. So yeah, we, we've, we've had, we've had all kinds For of now, all kinds of power challenges. So we're going to, we're going to try to get through this podcast. And, um, as, uh, you all know, uh, this overnight Sunday night to Monday, we had, uh, the worst snowstorm we've had in San Antonio in, I guess, 36 years, four to five inches of snow. Temperatures got down to about nine degrees. Hope everybody's safe out there. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on in San Antonio politics. Uh, just the last in the last uh, few days, we hit the dead, uh, filing deadline for city council races. We've got 81 uh, people running for the various city council seats and uh, I think 14 in the mayor's race. But all the action is really happening between former councilman Greg Brockhouse and the incumbent Ron Nuremberg. Uh, Josh, you've been you've been covering this. I mean, what's what's going on? How do you think this race is, is going to take shape? What are what are the the what are the big uh, messages that we're going to hear from both of these candidates? Uh, so, I mean, with with the mayor, you know, he's going to run on, you know, we've done a good job on the pandemic response. Uh, you know, we're we're sort of chugging along on on sort of economic recovery. We're putting money into small businesses and uh, small business grants and rental assistance. Um, I look to him to sort of tout uh, the the workforce development, uh, you know, initiative passing in November as, you know, sort of key to sort of the city's, you know, long term economic recovery. Right. Uh, but, you know, he's also, you know, coming out and basically pointing to like, look, like we've we've had, you know, gains in manufacturing jobs yeah. uh, locally where, you uh, you know, we're making progress on, you know, my housing agenda, for example. Right. Um, yeah. So, so, you so know, he's basically saying I've got three years to sort of run on. I just um, hang if you can hang on a second. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to listen to a little clip from the mayor's um, campaign kickoff, which was a week before last and, and to hear a little bit of that message. In the wake of this pandemic, we have been fighting hard for families and each and every one of you is responsible for our city's first ever voter approved workforce development program, which will ensure that tens of thousands of families have a better chance to thrive in the city we call home. I know we're going to get San Antonio back on its feet and it's going to take all of us to do that. So um, obviously, Greg Brockhouse does not agree with the uh, the rosy assessment that uh, Mayor Nuremberg has about uh, how the city is, is, is getting through the pandemic and how we're moving forward economically. What is he saying? You know, he's he's kind of uh, we've heard this argument throughout the pandemic that, you know, the city's kind of not uh, being aggressive enough in terms of small business relief, uh, for example, uh, that, you know, the, the mayor is too focused on sort of long term uh, recovery efforts as opposed to sort of short term assistance. Uh, you know, Brockhouse put out this this jobs platform uh, last week um, and, you know, they're they're full of. The, the there's a sort of like this l l a series of lofty ideas that that he's 
throwing out there, you know, one to build an entire new airport from scratch. Uh, basically, you know, getting the city's lobbyists to to be more involved in uh, legalization of marijuana and yeah. and gambling <laughs> at the at the um, state level. Right, so um, the short term fixes he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, I think that cannabis thing. People have been working on that one for quite a while. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but then also, yeah. I mean, you can't but you can't go to Home Depot to buy an airport. I mean, that takes a while. <laughs> Uh, then and then you know the thing that you wrote about Gilbert and uh, was you know the fact that he wants to tap the city reserves uh, to to basically fund loans to small businesses, uh, yeah. So uh, which is you know not something that's recommended by city officials. Sure. Uh, they 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 tend to say hey that'll damage our our bond rating. This will this will damage our ability right. to basically borrow for. For all you know, all sorts of sort of capital costs, and right. also that you know, hey, we're also gonna if we have an emergency, we need that money in case there's an emergency. Yeah, and Greg, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. You know, with get your business expertise because he's he's saying, well, it's a rainy day fund, and this, this is you know, if ever there's a rainy day, this is this is that time. But I think the city has has perceived this uh, reserve not simply as a rainy day fund, but as a kind of a show of fiscal. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just stability, which has helped to keep their their. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, is, the, is that fair? The, yeah, it is fair. But I mean, you have to keep in mind that the reserve fund was in uh, just abysmal shape when Cheryl Scully became the city manager in like, 2005. Right. To her credit, I mean, she built it up, and within three years, the city had a AAA bond rating. The problem is, it, it's become like this. It's become this fetish for city officials. <laughs> And the idea yeah. that you dip into this fund under any circumstance is just, you know, to a lot of people at City Hall, just unthinkable. Mm-hmm. But I do actually believe that that Brockhouse has a point. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is not this is not sacrosanct. I mean, yeah. this is an emergency. It's it's not unreasonable to at least discuss tapping the fund. You know, whether it's for a loan program or or some other kind of expenditure that would help. You know, people who have been thrown out of work. I don't know, but I I do think that you know, talking about dipping into the fund shouldn't be just off the table. I mean, it should be something you know we can discuss and and feel okay doing it. Yeah, Um, let's listen to a little bit of what uh, Greg Brockhouse's message was when he had his campaign kickoff. Here is where we are right now as a city: over one hundred and fifty thousand jobs lost. Devastation to our restaurants, our bars, our tourism industry upended. A mayor that hasn't lifted a single finger and doesn't deem those employees worth saving. Ron Nuremberg has been picking business winners and losers this entire pandemic. Folks, that's called pandemic politics. It is not his job to pick who wins and who loses. And, uh, Josh, I mean, it seems like he's he's kind of making the argument not only that that Nuremberg has been sort of unsympathetic to the plight of small business people, but that he's been that there's been sort of an arbitrary sort of implementation of the COVID uh, restrictions. You know, he he talks a lot about how we allowed eleven thousand people to go and attend a, a boxing match um, at the at the Alamo Dome, but you know, small businesses have had to face all kinds of of restrictions. I mean, how do you think this is going to play? Well, I I think it's. Uh, it's pretty interesting. You have uh, 
you know, you're starting to see, say, like restaurateurs uh, start to be a little bit more public about their uh, dissatisfaction with Nuremberg on this front. Um, you know, just looking at it, I think people would be sympathetic to to that to that message uh, that, hey, look, like you you're seeing small businesses, uh, you know, have to abide by these restrictions, which, by the way, at this point are imposed by the state, not by sure. the city or the county. Uh, but I think people are going to see that sort of uh, what they'll see as hypocrisy between, you know, the city, you know, still holding these massive events while, while uh, still, uh, you know, telling people to shelter in place and, and telling people, uh, you know, not to gather with their families over the, over the winter holidays, for example. Mm-hmm. Um but you know something I wanted to mention before we before we get too far away from it is that you know in terms of Nuremberg's approach to this, uh, you know he's pretty much not acknowledging Brockhaus at this point. Uh, yeah. He's he's trying to not engage with him directly. Uh, says he's, he's not going to debate. Yeah. Says he's not going to debate. But also, you know, he's offered some version of this quote to to you know many media outlets, saying basically like I'm not going to engage in sort of horse race politics with Brockhaus, I mean, or without naming Brockhaus. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like they're basically, you know, sitting on this notion that, you know, the pandemic has, has strengthened him and that there's really no need to, to engage Mm -hmm. with, with Brockhaus at this point. Isn't it interesting? I mean, you have to remember that being, Brockhaus got within 2.2 percentage points of him in that runoff two years ago. And um, I I think it's it would it'd be a mistake, regardless of whether it's politically advantageous for the mayor, I think it's a mistake to not have any debates. I think that we've had some cycles when we've had too many. Um, and sometimes we have, you know, all the candidates in there and, and it can get it can be really difficult. But I think there should be some exchange between these candidates. And I mean, when he ran uh, when Nuremberg ran in 2017 as a challenger, then Mayor Ivy Taylor, she was seeking her third term. Her first term had been by appointment, but it was her th- third term that she was seeking. And she did about 40 debates, as I remember, with him. And I think that uh, I don't necessarily think he owes it to Brockhaus, uh, his opponent, but I think he owes it to the to the voters of San Antonio to uh, to to be able to, it, as Greg said, you know, the, the issue of the the, the fund uh, reserve fund. I mean, this is something that there should be a, a you know a really robust debate about. I think there also should be a debate about the next thing I want to bring up, which is the fixed SAPD issue. Um, uh, we've talked a lot about this, the organization fixed SAPD, which has had a petition drive to get um, a, a repeal initiative, the, uh, an initiative that would uh, repeal collective bargaining for the for the police union. They were able to get that on the ballot, um, and uh, it's really interesting because Brockhouse has said he's going to devote a lot of time to campaigning against it. He thinks it's bad for the for the city and for uh, public safety. And to my knowledge, Nuremberg ha- is kind of staying out of that issue altogether. Is that your sense, Josh? Yeah, he he's very eager to sort of not take a position on it. Um, you know, there's uh, there's this sense going. Uh, you know, I've I've heard that basically, you know, the city attorney Andy Segovia told um, the mayor and city council members that you know they're not supposed to take a position on it publicly. Um, you know, n- nevertheless, you know, Manny Palaya's uh, you know came out against it. Uh, but you know, he, uh, the mayor has yeah. has has not uh, taken a position on it. He's he's basically said, you know, any issues that we have with the contract, we can work out with, at the bargaining table. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 
I don't know how realistic that is in a campaign, though. I mean, you know, it, it, I could completely see Ron Nuremberg trying to not say anything about the contract as the campaign progresses. I just think at some point he's going to have to respond because I think this is something Brockhouse is likely to amp up. I mean, this, you know, this this issue has the potential to be probably the most racially and ethnically divisive you know, part of any you know, of this campaign. And if it's going, if it's, if this campaign is going to play out that way, it's going to be because of, of fix SAPD. Uh, and at some point Nuremberg is going to have to respond. You know, he's going to have to stake out a public position. You can't yeah, hide behind, you know, we can work this out at the bargaining table. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, he, uh, Brock house is basically making the case that while this is really uh, about collective bargaining, he's saying this, this will, uh, have the effect of defunding the police. I mean, it's, it's, uh, certainly questionable argument, but it's one that, um, you know, could be effective for him. And I just think that, you know, I think the mayor has to weigh in, you know, whether he, uh, thinks that repealing collective bargaining, uh, is the best approach or not. I mean, when we start hearing this being described as a defund the police, uh, effort, I think you know the, the mayor at some point has to has to weigh in on, on some level on, on that issue. Mm. Yeah, and I think the police union are going to be hand in glove with Brockhouse on this issue in this right. campaign. Yeah, and that's I mean that's a big that's a big amplifier. <laughs> you know, I mean you know it is going to be a huge issue in this. Race. You know, and and Brockhouse is also you know he's counting on the you know sort of the pro police vote. Yeah. on, you know, the fixed SAPD matter to sort of put him over the line as well. So, I mean, it, it, that's just further illustrates that hand-in-hand approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, uh, you know, what's been one of the biggest stories in San Antonio recently, and I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about it. Um, it Martin Phipps, who is one of the, you know, most prominent attorneys in San Antonio, his firm, uh, Phipps Mays has, has been the lead firm in dealing with the county's opioid uh, lawsuit. And uh, recently he had several members of his uh, the, who, people who worked at the, on, at the firm uh, resigning and uh, including his uh, partner, TJ Mays. And last week, uh, Martin Phipps was arrested on uh, suspicion of telephone harassment. Uh, what, what is what is going on with that story and uh, what, what do yeah, people yeah. need to know about it? Well, my, my power is probably going to go on in about five minutes. So this is the, the rolling blackout friendly version of this story. It's going to be Thanks. hard to, to, to boil down. But um, yeah, so there's there's basically two main players. Uh, Martin Phipps, the, the attorney, the lead attorney in this opioid litigation. And then TJ Mays, his former law partner. Uh, Mays resigned from the firm in January. And so to, to understand the, the story, uh, in the opioid litigation, uh, Phipps designated experts. Um, and uh, one of them was Dr. Brian Alsip. He's the chief medical officer at uh, University Health. Right. And, uh, you know, central, there, there's two things that are central to understand. Uh, first of all, the uh, um, there was an expert report that was written uh, uh, purportedly uh, uh, not by Dr. Alsip, but a summary of his opinions that he would testify to. And it was submitted to opposing counsel in the case, but it was without any input uh, from Dr. Alsip. Um, And so the Phipps law firm submitted this. It really upset uh, Dr. Alsip and university health officials. Alsip went so far as to hire, uh, to retain an attorney in the matter. 
Um, so th- this was a this was something uh, Nelson Bear County Judge Nelson Wolf said that the Phipps law firm screwed screwed this up. This yep. was back in August. Now TJ TJ Mays comes in because he was at the firm at that time, and. At the same time uh, that TJ was at the firm working on the opioid litigation, he was also uh, a board member of University Health. Uh, Nelson Wolf actually appointed him to the board. So the story kind of took a look at that conflict of interest there. Um, TJ had a lot of uh, explanations about uh, what he did or didn't do uh, related to the expert uh, opinion of Alsip. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, uh, you know, he, he did his best to... To, to put up a wall and, and, and not, uh, you know, not, not, uh, you know, stumble in any conflicts of interest, but, it, uh, you know, the, the story does identify some, some instances in which TJ Mays did in fact contact Dr. Alsip, uh, while he was on the board. And, uh, and after this whole, all this blew up with, uh, Alsip and his attorney, TJ, TJ, you know, sent Alsip's attorney some exhibits that were related to the expert opinion that Dr. Alsip had no input in. Yeah. And Mays ended up leaving the, the board. Isn't that right? The, the university health board. Yeah. After yeah. That? Uh, Judge, Judge Wolf actually um, asked him to resign from the board before he left the firm. Uh, mm-hmm. This happened in November of 2020. Uh, so uh, yeah. So Mays resigned from the board and the firm. And, uh, you know, there's so there's so many different uh, angles to the story, but, but I mean, one of them, uh, one that could de- definitely affect uh, the people in this community is that you had uh, both the Mays Phipps law firm and and the law firm uh, run by Michael Watts working on this uh, on this opioid uh, lawsuit, and there was some conflict, I think, between uh, Phipps Mays and the and the Watts firm over strategy. The Watts firm, I think, had shown more of an inclination to to uh, to settle. And, uh, I think the, the, what I was hearing from the Phipps Mays firm a couple of months ago was that they were, they were in disagreement with that and they felt that they, this case needed to proceed and that there was, uh, the potential to, to get a lot more, uh, yeah, that's correct. No, you're, you're exactly right. And, and whatever their differences are, uh, because of all this Wolf last month, effectively handed the reins to Michael Watts. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, the County commissioners are going to meet, Either this coming week or the week after to talk about uh, Phipps's role in the in the case moving forward, and there's there's just been a lot of controversy surrounding the Phipps law firm, uh, especially with T.J. Mays uh, going on a scorched earth campaign against uh, against his former employer. Yeah. Well, we got a lot more, uh, I think, to that we're going to be hearing about that going forward. I'm glad that I think we got through this. Um, you all have no idea how, how difficult it was to get to, for, uh, to get everybody together with uh, with the rolling blackout situation that we've been dealing with today. But we hope uh, everything's going well for you all who are listening and I hope everyone's staying safe. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Take care.